Well, there is no question that when it comes to influence and persuasion in digital marketing, no one, and I mean no one, commands more respect than Dr. Robert Cialdini. If you have never read his books, Influence and Persuasion, I swear you are missing so much in your digital marketing, not only as an influencer and an advertiser, but as just a great marketer. And that's why I'm so excited to invite you to a free webinar where he'll be sharing his latest insights on new e-commerce strategies. Now, alongside Dr. Cialdini, you'll learn from Bass Wouters and the authors of Reputation King, my buddy Scott Branley and DJ Sprague. Attendees will absolutely be able to understand exactly how to gain a competitive edge in the marketplace by leveraging online reputation management. Now, that's something that we haven't talked about here on this show all that much. And it's more reason for you to register for the webinar here, which is completely free over at reputationking.com forward slash PT. So join us on April 18th from 12 noon to 2 p.m. Eastern. That's 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Pacific for you West Coasters by registering at reputationking.com forward slash PT. Once again, that's reputationking.com forward slash PT. Cialdini has been a huge influence on me. and I can't wait to see how his new e-commerce strategies resonate with you and how they affect your business in a positive way using reputation management. Make sure that you register for the April 18th free webinar at reputationking.com forward slash PT. People say, oh, social media should just be live, authentic. It's a communication channel. Use it to promote your business. You're listening to Perpetual Traffic with Keith Krantz, Molly Pittman, and Ralph Burns. Welcome back to Perpetual Traffic, episode number 81. And today we are excited to have a very special guest, somebody uh, we've been wanting to get on, we've been trying to get on the show for, for quite a while, and we finally were able to make it happen thanks to an additional help with Mr. Uh, Ryan Dice. But uh, the guest that we have on today, I'm really excited about because a lot of times on the show we talk about unique strategies that we use that are sometimes against the typical grain of how everybody else says to do things, things about how really creating these platforms differently, like you would treat somebody in the real world. And the one thing that I've noticed about Laura Roeder, who's going to be on today, is I've just loved seeing how she's built her brand, her personal brand, her social media, her blog, everything that she's done, and now recently launched and has a super, super successful software as a service company called Meet Edgar, which we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about her unique customer acquisition strategy. But like I said, Laura has always done things against the grain and very, very successfully. And I love that you're on the show today. So Laura, uh, you know, thanks again for, for coming on today. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, so Molly really made this happen. Molly, kind of tell us the story. <laughs> Ryan came up to you at the office or whatever. What happened? Yeah, Ryan was like, I finally met Laura Roeder in person, face to face. He was like F to F. And I was like, who are you? But he was like, you got to have Laura on the podcast. She's doing some really, really cool stuff in terms of customer acquisition. And I know some of the tips that you gave Ryan at that event, we've already implemented at Digital Marketer, which is really, really cool. So thank you so much. Ryan came back really excited and like had copy written for landing pages and this whole new process design. 
on Perpetual Traffic earlier, we haven't talked about customer acquisition for a SaaS company. And I think the reason we haven't is that most SaaS companies go about customer acquisition in a very different way than any of us have experienced doing so. Most of them raise a ton of money or they have a massive affiliate launch. They get a lot of PR from, you know, big tech sites like Mashable, or they're just really well connected in the tech scene. And that's really, in my opinion, where you see the SaaS companies find success. Ryan came back and was like, Molly, Laura's doing it totally different. So we really want to dig in today and figure out what you're doing and how you're creating this slow but steady acquisition process. I know you guys already have 7,000 customers, which is pretty amazing. I know we use Meet Edgar here at Digital Marketer. So yeah, again, excited to have you on and really just want to start the conversation with tell us a little bit about you. And I'm sure you tell this story all the time, but how did this come about? How did Meet Edgar happen? So I'm sure we have a lot of listeners today coming from the information product training world. And that's where I came from as well. That's my background. And Meet Edgar actually came as the direct result of an information product, which I think is pretty unique. So I had developed a methodology for doing social media. And basically, I had realized that if you are trying to create, you know, five to 10 original pieces of content to post on social media every day for the rest of your life, uh, <laughs> you have quite a job ahead of you, which, you know, is, is how most people approach social media. It's so much work. <laughs> yeah, they get really burned out. Yeah. Uh, so I realized you should be repeating content on social media so that it gets more exposure. So I developed this methodology of creating a library of evergreen content in different categories and then cycling through it on social media. So I was doing that for my own business. I was teaching people how to do it. People were actually doing it and having great results with it. But the actual scheduling involved a lot of grunt work. The tools Mm. at the time were not very helpful. You had to store all your status updates in a spreadsheet or a Google doc. You had to copy and paste them over and over and over again. If you had an image, you were screwed. You're like, how's it going to show up? Are my dimensions correct? Yeah. So all these problems are what led me to create Meet Edgar because I thought, why is there not a tool that one, stores a library of all my content? I mean, I'm to this day surprised. I thought that at least that aspect would be copied immediately once we once right. we came out. If not the repeating, like just please just store a library, just show me what I've already sent. Um, but still most of the other tools don't do that. So creating a library of all your content and then automatically repeating it is what we taught people to do in the information product. And now Edgar, the software just just does it for you. You know, what's interesting, we actually had someone write a case study on how digital marketer uses Twitter. And we lost our social media manager a few months ago. And a few of us have really been trying to keep up with Twitter and Facebook and posting new blog posts. And honestly, We've been using Meet Edgar and it's recycling all of our old stuff. So we haven't had to add anything new. And the case study basically said, hey, you can use this tool. You can recycle all of your stuff and it still works. Like, look how much traffic digital marketers driving and they haven't added new content, sad face, embarrassed face (laughs) in like three or four months. 
which of course will change soon. But that's, again, just a testament to, to how cool that software is. And you know what I think is so cool about your story, though, is like you, there's so many consultants. And I think we all started as consultants. I mean, I know Keith and I did. And Molly just immediately jumped to rock star status. But the the thing that you did is you took a consulting business and then and then created processes and obviously a SaaS that could replicate what you were doing as a consultant, which is like every consultant's dream. So if you're listening to this show and you're a consultant, you're saying, all right, well, I'm doing all this one-on-one stuff. If you haven't gotten this software and you're doing social media management, you're totally missing the boat without question. And you did it like from scratch, which is so awesome. Yeah. And the tagline on their website is want to double your traffic. The title of our show is perpetual traffic. So this is a, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure it's a pretty good solution. And, and well, we talk about paid traffic a lot, obviously, right? But we also talk about creating goodwill. And a lot of times people need more time. And the great thing about it, whether you don't want to spend a lot of money running your social media and your business, if you don't have that budget, or if you do, and when you are amplifying that with paid Facebook advertising, YouTube ads, or Twitter ads, or whatever it is, guess what? You're building up that following. You're building up your email list. You're building up your fan base. And your organic reach will continue to increase and improve and generate more ROI on that previous spend that you have been you know, spending on Facebook ads maybe over the past 60, 90 days or 12 to 24 months. So software like this is so great because if you're a numbers person and you're looking at your numbers of what's my cost per acquisition, if you take something like this, you end up generating more ROI on a long-term basis. And of course, creating more goodwill with your audience as well and making it easier, saving time. But I love it because you created this out of a need that you needed for your business. So how did you launch this and how did it become such a big success so quickly without using outside funding and and some of those types of things that people might do with a SaaS? So we haven't raised any money, but we did self-fund, meaning I took profits from the information product business, LKR social media. I took those profits and put them into Edgar. It was kind of all mixed up, but I would say about 200,000 probably went into Edgar to launch it. So I just point that out because... We are bootstrapped, but also sometimes people are listening who are truly bootstrapped as in, you know, earn $5, spend $5. And, you know, it's not really fair to compare us because we did have a little money to start out. But I did really consider raising money. I I talked to a lot of people who have done it and really looked into the pros and cons. And basically all my friends who did it said, I would not do it unless I had to do it. So if you think you can make it work without raising, you should definitely try that first. And In retrospect, it was absolutely the right decision. Thinking about future businesses, I would be really hard pressed to ever raise money because I love that it forces you to focus on profitability Mm. from day one. I love the idea of a business being proven by its customers. You know, our customers decide if we're worth their money every month. And if we're not Mm. delivering that value to them, then then we're going to go out of business. And I just love that clarity in the business. I can relate to that. Obviously, I don't own Digital Marketer and these were all of Ryan's decisions, but knowing that, you know, everything is up to us and the team. Not having to listen to other people is nice, right? To hear their opinions and, hey, I invested money and therefore, you know, I have these expectations. So having that freedom is nice, but also knowing that, yeah, this is all up to us and we must create the best product. We must have the best customer acquisition strategy. We must be the best we can be because there's nothing to to fall back on. 
So let's get into uh, what are some of the strategies that you used as far as launching this thing? The most unique thing that we probably do in the software world and something that was probably one of the ideas that Ryan took away is on our homepage, we collect email which, you know, maybe to a bunch of internet marketers, <laughs> it doesn't sound... You noticed we did that. <laughs> not a very innovative idea. But in the SaaS world, it's it's actually a very innovative idea. So if you go to our homepage, our call to action is request an invitation. The downside is that people do often think we're in beta and they're like, do you exist yet? Have you launched yet? And it's like, yeah, we have 7,000 customers. Like we, <laughs> we yeah. exist. But we don't go to a trial right away. And we also don't just go to a purchase right away, which is what most SaaS companies do. So we collect email and then we use a good old fashioned email marketing to educate them about the product and to become a customer. And it's something that we've stuck with over, it's been two and a half years now because it works really, really well for us. Mm. You wouldn't believe how many people tell me it's just a terrible idea but you know we're selling B2B software. I I really am yeah. hard pressed to imagine that there's a lot of B2B software customers that are not willing to give their email address. That's really the biggest takeaway that Ryan got from you this invitation process. So if you go to digitalmarketer.com like we're absolutely testing this and it's working so well. Obviously we're not a SaaS, but it's a monthly continuity program. And I think even for us, it's more the aspect of that get your invitation. It puts the software or the product behind this wall of exclusivity. Yeah, this is special, right? You need to be invited. And I haven't gone through your process, but I do know, you know, once you enter your email address in our process on the homepage, they're going through a, a second form too. And we're asking questions like, are you an agency or consultant? Are you humble enough to ask for help when you need it? Right. That's really important inside of our group that people ask for help. Are you willing to help others? You have to be able to do that too. So if you answer these questions incorrectly, you know, this isn't just a ploy, you will be denied. <laughs> I love this. So tell us what kind of systems are you guys using or process are you guys using to drive new customers, whether it's cold traffic or warm traffic or, or not on a continual basis? How I generally think of it is I always want to have a mix of organic search traffic that we're growing over time, as well as optimizing our paid efforts. What's amazing about paid acquisition is you give Facebook money, Facebook shows your material to someone. It's an agreement that you've made with Facebook. You know, it's yeah. not, it's totally clear what's going to happen. Obviously, search is not that clear. It's like, I'm going to put something out. I'm going to hope Google likes it and Google may or may not like it and may or may not choose to show it to anyone. But obviously, the big benefit of search is that it can continue to grow organically and build over time. And you don't have to pay for every single eyeball that comes in. So we do a lot of content marketing, social media marketing, blogging, all that stuff balanced with Facebook ads. We've done AdWords in the past. We've experimented with it. We actually haven't experimented with Twitter or Instagram or YouTube or a lot of the other platforms out there because there's a lot of people on Facebook. <laughs> We've noticed. So most of our leads actually do come from either search traffic or direct traffic. So that's always that mystery one in analytics, but hopefully word of mouth is a big driver for us. It seems to be a big driver for us. I was just thinking on this invitation process, I'm not sure how deep you want to get, 
but have you guys tested different versions of this? Like maybe showing them a trial after they're invited or doing a one step or just different variations. Like we haven't gotten to test much. And I'm just wondering, like, is this your sort of final, like this works the best? Yeah. One of the big things we play around with is the timing of, of when they receive the invitation, because of course we want people to become customers as quickly as possible. And that one, the shorter we've tested always works better. So we've done it everywhere from two weeks later to as soon as you opt in, you know, you get the invitation. And, and the sooner the better. And it's funny because I think from the company point of view, sometimes you kind of overthink it and you think, oh, we said it was an invitation. So maybe it needs to be like something supposedly is happening. But of course, the lead is usually just sort of excited to get in and see what they see. So we have experimented with that. And we've also experimented with offering different offers after you opt in. I always think about the startup. When I lived in L.A., there was one of these startups that came to our house and did your laundry. Oh, that's nice. I need that. <laughs> so I got on their list from a Facebook ad and they were the most persistent marketers in the best way. And they just sent me offers that just kept getting better and better and better. And in this case, it was just like more and more laundry. You know, like they send you the first right. offer and it's like, we'll do a bag of laundry. And then it's like, we'll do two bags of laundry. Like, yeah. we'll do all your laundry. And we'll do your friend's laundry. Yeah. <laughs> so I always think about that, you know, as long as you're making an offer that is obviously targeted to the right person, you just want to keep making offers. Don't want this. How about this? Don't want that. How about that? Because what's totally. so cool about the invitation sequence is that they haven't signed up for like a webinar. They haven't signed up for a white paper. All that stuff is great, but you don't really know for sure if they're interested in what you're selling. You're selling right. something related, but it's not exactly yeah. the same. Where if they're requesting an invitation to digital marketer, like all they're saying is, yes, I am interested in buying this. Yeah, I want to be a member. And, you know, we just started running some website conversion campaigns last week on Facebook to warm traffic. So people that know us, right? Like, I'm not quite sure how an invitation would perform as an ad out to people who don't know you, of course. Probably not great. Um, But it's doing well. And people are just showing interest in buying, like you said. I think a lot of us try to overcomplicate the acquisition process. And when we first tested this, I was like, okay, we'll see what happens. I think the biggest benefit, honestly, is, you know, all of our acquisition funnels that are built in more of a a five-step sequence, you know, those are still running. Those are still acquiring customers. This is kind of a catch-all for us. It's on our homepage. And I think we're getting 500 to 700 people a week that are opting in for this just outside of ads. So I think it's a cool way too, even if you're not a SaaS, to indirectly promote your product on your website. And it doesn't mean that you can't have a direct offer for your product on your products page. This is just a great catch-all for people that might not be interested in buying right now, uh, but they are interested in the product and they might just want to buy in a different way. We had a conversation last week. We ran a big promotion to this invitation. We were kind of seeing how everything was going to sift out because like you did, once they applied and they were accepted, we sent them straight to, you know, it's 38.60 a month, right? We didn't do the dollar trial. 
So we were doing the math backwards to figure out, okay, what performs better in terms of actually generating customers? Is it this invitation or is it the dollar trial or, you know, is it the, a five-step acquisition funnel? And what we realized is you can't compare apples to oranges, right? Like these are all very different. something similar. So, well, now everyone who's listening will have this little hot tip. Like we, we don't usually give a free trial, but we do have one in, you know, customer services back pocket, right? Right. Like a little downsell. Yeah. So when people email, they do sometimes end up getting a free trial when they ask for it. And we were kind of looking at the conversion rate for how free trial performs against just signing up right away and which one has the higher lifetime value in the long term. And it's difficult to compare because in our case, the people who ask for the free trial, it's kind of like, well, on the one hand, they're really, really interested because they bothered to email and have this personal exchange. Right. On the other hand, they're like really not willing to give us any money yeah. because they were so intense. They're so skeptical. Trial. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's interesting testing these things in your business. And I think sometimes there's a bit of a fantasy that you're just going to get that number, you know, that you're going right. to be like, we're going to do A or B and there's going to be a hard number that proves it. But I do think a lot of it is really looking at your product and looking at your business and seeing what marketing funnel is really aligned for you. So a big reason why we generally steer clear of trials is because Edgar takes a commitment to set up. We're not a product like you can use Dropbox and you can share one file and it can take a minute and you're like, oh, cool, I get it. You know, I'm getting the value. I get what this does. With Edgar, you have to spend at least an hour at first putting your content in, building your library, you know, we have ways to make it easy with RSS, but it requires some commitment from our customer to make the product work. So we want them in that mindset. You know, now we're making yearly the default because we find that yearly customers just have Mm. so much better success rates with a product because they're in there thinking, okay, I'm not going to see if this works for me for a month and then decide if I want to continue. They're like, I've committed to a year. So I'm really going to take the time to set this up and really allow it to work for me. So I think that's something that sometimes gets overlooked with marketing is not just what funnel, you know, performs the best for getting customers, what funnel really matches the value that your product brings. And what's going to generate the the customers that are going to stay around the longest. And I think that's a cool concept too. So we spent the last year, you know, obviously innovating and, and figuring out how to acquire more customers, but a big, big focus on churn and getting people to stay in digital marketer lab. And we've gone as far as, you know, every person that joins receives an actual welcome packet in the mail, you know, because it is an online product. So this gives them, you know, a member's card and a sticker to put on their computer and something really tangible that they can hold. And then, you know, different email sequences to really get them to consume the information. What do you guys do after they join to get them to stick around? Obviously, this has been a huge focus for us as well. And one of our biggest challenges has been that setup. Yeah, it takes a lot of work. I think with Edgar too, it's something you have to be doing enough. And I'm probably not saying that correctly, but you you have to be doing enough with social media to use it, right? Like if you had like one blog post that was on rotation, you know, like I don't know how effective the tool would be. You know, one thing that we do is is constantly experiment with our onboarding. We do have a forced onboarding sequence now, which means we do make people go through a brief onboarding to make sure they understand the product. Because another huge challenge for us 
is we are very different from our competitors, which a lot of prospects don't understand because they're sort of comparing tools and they're kind of thinking like, uh, this looks similar to Buffer or Hootsuite, but we actually approach social from a different paradigm. So if you just log into Edgar without understanding this whole paradigm of I'm going to create an evergreen library and then it's going to keep going out, people are, they don't get it. (laughs) They don't get what we're doing. I mean, that's why it's kind of cool for me coming from this background of training and education because Once people understand that idea of like, oh, I can use my evergreen content, just like you said, I don't even have to create new stuff, right? I've already spent all this time building a library. This can keep generating traffic for me. Once they're on the same page with that, I mean, Edgar is just a no brainer. Right. We found for us, the education piece really is huge. And I mean, the lesson we just keep learning is that you can't tell people enough when it's your stuff, you're often like, oh, but I told them that on the homepage. Or like, I right. told them that, you know, in the intro email, they they know how it works. And, you know, we're like, we sell to entrepreneurs. They're busy. <laughs> They're not totally. reading every line on our homepage. So I think honing in on that core concept for us, we've honed in on, on double your traffic and just explaining to people over and over again, this is what you're going to get. So is there anything inside the actual tool that you guys use for onboarding? Yeah, we do it mostly via email. We're experimenting now with more personalization. So now we have someone on our customer service team dedicated to onboarding. We just hired a few weeks ago someone on our marketing team to talk to people on the phone and do demos with them. Nice. Yeah, we're definitely experimenting within our price point, which is which is a small business price point. You know, we're less than $100 a month. So it's not right. the type of price point where you're doing really in-depth, long-term personalization stuff with people. But at the same time, once they have content loaded they're in and they're going to stick with us. So it's a mix of experimenting with how much hands-on help can we give people and then just features in the software. Like we've always had RSS, but we changed it to make it much more prominent because we knew that if you connect Edgar to your RSS feed, both during initial setup and ongoing, then you've won. Because I always tell people like, if all you did was connect RSS and just have Edgar send out a blog post every day. That's worth it. I think it's really important in a SaaS or any sort of continuity program to get someone to just do one thing. So in our pamphlet and in the onboarding email sequence, it goes through, of course, all of the features of the product and what they can do with it. And people already know those, right? That's why they bought. It's not that you shouldn't reiterate it, but they are already sold. But we also give them a few action items. So we know that the private community is a big aspect. It's probably the biggest sticking point for most people who stay in the program. So we have them join the Facebook group and then we give them a sentence to post. We give them a few ideas of questions to post and then we give them a hashtag, hashtag I'm new here. Then everyone pays you know, close attention to those posts and welcomes people. And that's it. Like we figured out if we can get someone to post in the group, their lifetime value is insane. And, you know, there's execution plans and calls and deals and all kinds of stuff that goes into this program. But if we can get them to consume one piece of it, you know, we know that we've immediately increased their lifetime value. And for you, you know, if you can get them to upload the content, you know, they're there to stay for a while. So I think anyone out there that has a continuity program or a SaaS 
really with your onboarding, which of course is just as important as your acquisition, if you can figure out that one thing to tell them to do in the onboarding process that you know is is really important and will get them to stay, that'll make a huge difference for you. Love it. Love it. For those people that are listening right now, they might not have a SaaS, they might not have a software, they might not have a, a big brand that people are searching for and coming up to their homepage. So I've got a question for you that I think is a big one that people have a hard time understanding quite a bit. And even back on episode 78, where we talked about eight digital marketing predictions for 2017 and beyond. And on that episode, I made a comment about how do your ads specifically, if you're running Facebook ads, how do your ads or your content, what kind of impression do they make on the end user, even if they don't click on your ad or even if they don't take action and opt in? You know, how do you connect with that end user that is not aware of the solution that your product or service provides, right? They may be aware of a challenge, but sometimes you have to make mm-hmm. them aware. So how do you, is there a specific types of just, you know, general messaging or strategy that you guys use to help, you know, take people to become aware that they need a solution like yours and that yours exists and then move them into that funnel for that cold traffic kind of acquisition? Yeah. So, I mean, we've moved to the positioning of double your traffic and that's something that we didn't launch with. That's something that we have move to over time. That's an interesting way to get people's attention, you know, whether or not they're looking for a social media tool and also start to educate them that their social media tool is related to their traffic, which of course often isn't how people are thinking of social media, right? They're thinking of it as sort of a chore that needs to be accomplished and they're just sort of looking for a tool to help with a chore. But I want them to think bigger as a marketer as to, you know, what impact can my social media really be having? So with ads, we do a mix of, you know, that kind of messaging, sending people to our homepage. We also do showing people blog posts just to create kind of like you're saying that that goodwill and education about our company. You know, I think it's interesting what you're saying because something that we've noticed with ads, so we've experimented with Facebook ads a lot. We've had periods of spending a ton and months where we're not spending anything. And I think there is a big effect, exactly like you're saying, of people who see the ad, but you can't track them because they didn't interact with the ad. Like you said, maybe they saw the ad and maybe they Googled you a week later. Because we noticed that when we stop running ads, it's like this larger trickle effect where things slow down unrelated to that direct ad traffic. I'm also not a believer in list cleaning for the same reason, which is like a really unpopular point of view. But to me, if someone is seeing our name in their inbox, even if they never click us, like that's just like that little extra bit of exposure. Totally. Top of mind. Yeah. That right there is so underestimated. It's unbelievable. A while back, I was an e-commerce account manager for a $60 million company and they're in the health and fitness space and they sell a $300 product, but they spend about four to 500000 a month on TV and two minutes as well as 28-minute infomercial shows. Mm-hmm. But the key there is, is they break even barely on an annual basis on their TV. However, it drives all of their other sales. Dick's Sporting mm-hmm. Goods, Costco, Amazon, 250000 mm-hmm. a month. It's all driven because of the brand awareness that happens from that TV that they run. Yeah. And people do not understand the brand impact that's happening when you're running these really, really high quality Facebook ads and video ads and long copy ads, you name it. It just makes a bigger impact than people realize. And it's tough to measure. It really is. We like online marketing because supposedly (laughs) we can measure it. Supposedly we can see exactly what's happening. But 
obviously anyone who's who's been doing it for a few years knows that that's really not the case. And that's very obvious, I think, if you really observe your own buying behavior, right? It's so extremely rare that we go to a site having never heard of the thing and then we buy it the first time we visit the site. It just almost never happens. It's like your friend tells you about it. You forget to look it up. You look it up. You forget about it. You see an ad. You forget about it. Yeah. You sign up for the email. You see it on Twitter from another friend. You know, we talk about funnels, but like it's like it's not a funnel really. Like we try to give them an email. Yeah, it's consumer behavior. Right. So I, I do think it's so important to kind of look beyond what you can directly track and just, yeah, make sure that your brand is showing up a lot of places for people. Yeah. People are going to be forced to quit worrying so much about specific attribution, right? And, And I'm a total culprit of this and have been, right? Like, okay, this campaign, what is the ROI on this campaign? And there are too many channels online and too many ways that people are researching and getting information and buying that I think a lot of us are going to have to let go a little bit and say, did I make as much back as I put in that I can directly track from whatever sources I'm looking at? Okay, good. I can only assume that this resulted in more sales than that because that's only what I can track. And then we have word of mouth and everything else that I can't track. If we can keep at that baseline, I think that businesses will grow. People like to talk about blog attribution, like content attribution, you know, directly tied to sales. And I'm like, if it's just a blog, like that's a coincidence. If someone views a blog post right before they buy, I don't think you can attribute that sale to them reading a blog post unless it's just a sales letter in blog post format. But people will rate their content based on attribution of which blog post is driving more sales. I just don't think that's how you look at your blog. Like that's your content, that's traffic. And I understand why people do it, right? Because we want want it to be that clear. Like I would love it if I could figure out exactly which blog post was driving sales. But you know, you can look at metrics just like your entire marketing spend, right? Everyone's salary in the marketing department and be like, are are we making money or not? <laughs> you know? And I know that's hard to tell businesses that are really bootstrapping. And I understand where that can sound like, oh, of course you guys can do that. But really, you can do that on a small scale and just realizing that you need to start with two or three ad campaigns and one that warms up the cold audience and and gives them value and is the branding aspect, right? And then some other campaigns that are more retargeting and a little bit more direct response, but realizing that if you are making as much back as you're spending, you're acquiring customers and leads, you can only expect that through word of mouth and everyone who's seen your ads and never clicked that you're definitely ROI positive on your media spend. I love it. I love it. This is good stuff. And listen to what Laura said about how they made that adjustment to make their main hook double your traffic. You know, we've used some examples before uh, Brian Moran over at Samcart, and they've got different, a few different hooks that they use to bring people in. But I've talked about before where they use profits, right? 4X your, your profits of your sales funnel. Mm. When they're selling a checkout designer, right? A checkout order form designer. So they're not talking about order form design uh, typically. Like Laura's not talking about social media management, but she's leading with something she knows that people want. And then you can educate them on how to improve that and then how your product or your solution can make that easier or faster or cheaper. Man, 
awesome stuff here. And is there anything else that you want to share with us? How, how can people get access to Meet Edgar or anything like that? It's always a little funny to me after you've heard such a behind the scenes marketing stuff. And then I'm like, and now go see our marketing sequence. (laughs) (laughs) People are like, I already went to the home page. (laughs) That's what I tell people. I said, why don't you just go opt in for this so you can see my funnel and then, you know, you might want to buy it too. (laughs) So if anything, like, yeah, yeah, get, get the behind the scenes look. A lot of people are still scared about social media for marketing. You know, you still hear yeah. people say, oh, social media should just be like live, authentic conversations. And it's like, it's it's a communication channel. Like, you know, yeah. use it to promote your business. So it's fun for me doing stuff like this. And I love all the marketers who, who come to use the software and can uh, appreciate <laughs> the funnel experience as well. Love it. All right, good stuff. So it's uh, meetedgar.com, right? And we'll have the link in the show notes. Meetedgar.com. And you can find us as Meet Edgar on Twitter and on Facebook. Awesome. Great. And once again, we'll have anything else mentioned here in the show notes at digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast. And this is episode 81. Guys, this has been great. Uh, Laura, thanks again for coming on. Appreciate it. You know, you've got a busy schedule. Thank you. Awesome. And uh, yeah, talk to y'all soon. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Perpetual Traffic with Keith Krantz, Molly Pittman, and Ralph Burns. For more information and to get the resources mentioned in this episode, visit digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening. John Moran here. Q1 is closing and it probably didn't go as well as you'd hoped. I'm sure your agency is telling you that they crushed it, but in reality, it probably crushed you. If your agency isn't on the same page as you, or if there's something wrong but you can't quite put your finger on what, go to tier11.com forward slash apply, that's tier11.com forward slash apply, and we'll get set up on a call to show you a better way to look at your business, not just metrics that make agencies look good.